Hello Cryptonauts and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. On today's episode we're talking about Ravencoin with Jake, Mike, Kent, Leeton, Tron, and Pope. So we're overall talking about uh, the Open DAO, Medici, Ravencoin assets, and fees. So hopefully you enjoy the podcast and with that said, check us out in Discord and where else? Oh, I highly recommend the Ravencoin asset. If you're interested in Ravencoin, check out that group over in uh, Discord. So with that said, enjoy the episode. Hey, Cryptonauts. This is Jake Jabarelli of Jabarelli.com. Just a bunch of referral links. Welcome to the latest episode of Cryptocurrency Chat with Blockchain John. So on this episode today, we have Kent Bull, who's been talking to us about Ravencoin and all the things that he has been doing with Ravencoin, his interests in et cetera, et cetera. We also have Mike here, and of course, we have to have Blockchain John, this is his podcast. So let's get started. Okay, uh, Kent, so you were talking about hey. something in the uh, pre-show that you'd like to continue talking about. Let's get into that. Yeah. So if you don't know me, I'm working with the Ravencoin team to get the development momentum up to where we feel good about it and comfortable with it as a community to where we feel like it's our strongest point. And we've got, we've had some interesting turbulence over the last five, six months with flying the nest from Medici, where we created the foundation and we're still learning how to, you know, step, how to, how to move forward and how to balance all the needs and concerns of the community. So my question that we could discuss here that could be valuable is what do we think about that? How do we think things are going? Because I know some of the people here are very active members of the Ravencoin community. And you know Ravencoin from the past. You've been there for longer than I have. And just a little bit about my history. I worked at Medici Ventures for three years, just about. It would have been three years in, in June. And I always wanted to work on Ravencoin. I ended up on other projects. And now that I Medici, their software development is no longer, now I'm working with Ravencoin. And so I'm bringing myself up to speed. I've been at this for four or five weeks now, just kind of gently going in. And I see what I see, but I want to see what you guys see. I want to see what the pain points are or what the missing parts or even what we're doing well. Because to me, there's a lot of beauty and potential in Ravencoin. I'm still learning. I know there's a lot of people kind of getting their bearings. A lot of people already have their bearings and they know exactly where they want the community to go. So that's kind of what I was getting at Jake earlier when I was talking is that that's kind of the prompt in my mind. Okay. Okay. Well, I was, I'm trying to pull in information from where you were before at Medici. I, I went and found their website. Hopefully I found the right one. I know you can't see what I'm looking at. Um, but uh, I'm MediciVentures.com. Is that, that is the site, right? You were working for previously? Yeah, Medici Ventures. Okay. Um, they're still going. They still have a portfolio of assets. It's just that now they're under management of Paleon Venture Partners yeah, with a $45 million slush fund that they can use to operate from. That's helpful. Medici just no longer employs Medici no longer employs software designers or developers because they decided that a they should have a dedicated incubator manage all of that. That means shipping your job overseas. That wouldn't be surprising to me. Um. Well, what's nice about it is Paleon Venture Partners is in is based out of Salt Lake. Yeah. 
they have offices in many different places. They've taken multiple companies to like multiple hundreds of million dollar evaluations. So they know their stuff. Gotcha. And it was essentially an act of humility on the part of Overstock who owns Medici. They said, you know, our core competency is not doing startup incubation. So we're going to delegate management of that to Paleon and then just give them $45 million for what whatever their needs are. Gotcha. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like this is over my head, Mike. Yeah. No, I uh, I really like the take charge you've been you've been going down with Ravencoin. It's pretty great. Um, just setting up the GitHub Ravencoin meetings. That that alone <laughs> is just oh man, it's made life oh, yeah. so much simpler. Exactly, I could agree with Mike on that. I mean, when you when you came in when you first showed up on scene. It was it was chaos in the in the Ravencoin uh, Discord, and once you came in, you 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 were able to immediately organize things and and point in the right direction. So, I mean, you're doing you're doing good things, and you you just you just started. So I can only imagine what's going to happen a year from now with with you and the, you and the in the Ravencoin uh, community. Well, thanks, John, and I better give credit where credit is due. So one of my favorite coworkers of all time is Kelly Tyler. You can look up her up on LinkedIn. She was a scrum master and she still is a scrum master. And I learned a lot of what I learned from her and also from Bus Van Wagener from Medici. Because one of the things that Medici had is they had really high performing teams. And so a lot of what I'm doing, I, I just learned through osmosis. So I got to give credit to them. All the, I'm just doing things that I saw them do. I'm just copying. I don't know that it's like anything creative or different. <laughs> but thank you. Um, Kent, so... I want to know what you want to try to accomplish with the Ravencoin community. Cause that's mainly what you correct me if I'm wrong. Are you working on, on the software side? Or are you just trying to be a community organizer for, for Ravencoin network? So more on the software side, though, a bit of both. So what I want to see is I want to see people taking charge of their financial lives and, and, and as well as be able to, unlock the value of their assets and be able to eliminate the middleman between them and who people they want to raise capital from kind of like Kickstarter, except with NFTs via assets on Ravencoin. In addition to just being able to lend with a lot of the cool stuff you're seeing in the DeFi marketplace. So as I see all these things, I, I I'm thinking I, I abide by a lot of the core ethos of what crypto and even digital currencies and DeFi means. It's just choice and control over your financial life. And where, where I think that means with Ravencoin, <clears throat> where, I, where I'd like to see us be, at least in the next year or two or three, is to have really reliable wallets to where all the major bugs are taken care of. Things just work. Kind of like with Bread Wallet or Jax or, or Mycelium on the Bitcoin network. They just work and you've got confidence. And, and there's mobility and there's good documentation. So when a third party comes in or a new potential partner for the community and ecosystem comes in, people say, okay, here's where you go to get the, the docs. If you need training, go to this YouTube course or this Udemy course, or here's the development channel. If there's something in the core protocol, you need to change. So when we, when the experience for one of our new partners or new projects is that experience, that's where I want to go with Ravencoin. And one of the reasons why I want Ravencoin to go there is because of the, the, the way it's been managed from the very beginning. It's been fair from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And that's what, uh, as, as more and more people 
become curious about Ravencoin, they always ask, you know, what's uh, is this a pre-mine? Absolutely not. And it's it's a beautiful community. If if you don't know the Ravencoin community for the for the for the cryptonauts out there, check it out either on Telegram or on Discord. I highly recommend Discord. The, everybody out there is very very friendly, willing to help you and learn more about the Ravencoin network. That's how I learn. That's why I'm sticking with them to this day. Um, so Kent, we uh, last Friday we had an opportunity to do an AMA with Tron on the spatial platform. And that was pretty fun. Uh, are mm-hmm. we going to continue to use that platform? Was that, was that your suggestion or how did that play out? So it was Tron's suggestion from what I remember. And it was really fun. It was my it first was. time in there. Well, I should say technically the second, cause I was there like a day early just to check it out. And it was the first one, Tron said it was the first one that was that big or that successful. So nice, it was actually nice. pretty cool. So we have our, uh, the, the, the dev meetings occur every Friday. Every Friday there is a dev meeting, which is awesome. I like that because it keeps everyone freshly updated on what's going on. Uh, now that you've been around for, I mean, you're still, you're still new, but can you give us an idea yeah. of what Ravencoin is doing with their meetings and, and what's, what's on the agenda? Yeah. So the latest agenda we were talked about, we were talking about proposal one, just an update with the PTOSH functionality. We're with the security audit. And then of course, we're just going through other updates and other community things. And what's really cool is that every meeting, we seem to get just a little bit more done and we're, we're getting just a little bit better at it. And for example, there's a Hans Schmidt. He's one of the community members. He wrote this big, huge essay on his Mastering Ravencoin repository about where what he sees, where things are at, and where he thinks things should go. And we, we just started to get to that at the end of the dev meeting, this last dev meeting. And we've been trying to get to that for a few weeks now. So the fact that we're able to get to all these new things, it's, it's small improvements, but that's okay. Just 1% at a time. And then as far as the content, so kind of, I guess, from an organizational process perspective, we're starting to be able to get to more things, which is really exciting. Nice. Jake, I'm about to put, uh, get this back to you here in a second. Um, Kent, do you have any questions for us? I mean, this is your first time yeah. on the podcast officially, but anything <laughs> you want to ask us? Yeah. So how did you, I, I'm really curious, how did you learn about Ravencoin? Actually, um, What's what's the, the YouTuber's name? The one with the dog tails. What's his name? Vosscoin. 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 That's right. That's right. Vosscoin. That's how I heard about Ravencoin, and he talked about it several times on on his YouTube channel. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I want to check something out, uh, something new out, because to me it was new. Uh, I was like, eh, no, no, no. But he kept talking about it. Kept talking about it. I said, let me go over there and just check it out. So I went over there and got, got connected with the community, and because of the positive experience, I, I stuck with him. That's cool. I mind it. I mind it. I've created a few assets myself um, with the help of Mike. So yeah, that's something I still haven't done yet. Is mining Ravencoin? Ever since like my first days at Medici, I did it on my laptop. I never got a GPU, and now I want to do that and just start mining. They actually uh, make GPUs that you could plug into a laptop. It's pretty cool. That's cool. At, at first, what? when I heard about it, I didn't believe it. But yeah, it's like this. I think it's like three or four hundred dollar box that plugs into your uh, into your laptop. You, yeah. put a you need to <clears> be <throat> able to use um, was it uh, Thunderbolt to do it, but some plenty of laptops have that now. So yeah, 
For me, the first time I got into Ravencoin was when Bitsby Trippin put out his first video from Ravencoin. And I was hooked from uh-huh. there. Like before for uh-huh. that video, I never cared about the internet. You know, I like why care about land that you'll never own, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But this whole concept of digital scarcity and owning your little piece of web3, I was just hook line and sinker. Yeah. Yeah, for me, Ravencoin, uh, I think, came on my radar probably just before I met Blockchain John. Um, I don't know if it was... It was probably Vosk who may, may have made mention of it. Um, but I didn't actually start mining or really even owning it until I saw that it was comparable to ETH, at least as far as profitability, because personally, the... I'd say the main reason I'm into crypto at all is because of mining it. I've been mining it since 2014. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, the mining was far more interesting from a technical perspective because I'm a hardware guy um, than uh, ever buying any coin. For that matter, in the beginning when I was first into, you know, uh, Doge and and Script, which is pretty much the only thing I did until I got into ETH recently, was because uh, I couldn't find a place to buy any coin. I mean, there was technically a place in, in Silicon Valley where I lived, but I couldn't get to it. I couldn't. There was no. There was no easy way of getting there um, or finding it. And I, I. It just wasn't something I figured it was going to be possible. So I figured, well, why not make it? It's, it's hardware. I love hardware, so um, mm-hmm. I'll figure out how to make this work with my Raspberry Pi. And eventually, I ended up buying tons of hardware. You know, actual ASICs to mine script. Um, and then I've been pretty much doing that ever since uh, on and off. And when the price dropped after what, 2018, I, I kind of stopped, but uh, I never really gave up on the idea. And then Ravencoin kind of came in my, into my radar and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I met Blockchain John. He's talking about Ravencoin all the time. <laughs> so I just kind of <laughs> got into it even more. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely am not as adept at it as John and, and Mike are with their comprehension of probably a novice when it comes right down to it. I, ha- I have a lot of coin, but that's because I mine it. Um, but uh, I've, I still don't, and I hate to admit this in front of these two guys, I still don't fully understand IPFS. I mean, I know what it means and I know what it does, <laughs> but I don't know how to use it. And I still don't have a Ravencoin node or even IPFS node so I can actually add things. I, I still can't even look at them. And I know I'm admitting this in public <laughs> on this podcast, but it's not. It's not the first time I've made a complete faux pas saying that saying that Bitcoin would go <laughs> never go above twenty five k. So I will admit the same thing, Jake. I, I even though I'm a software developer, I still don't fully understand IPFS. All I think about is there's a link to a file somewhere on the internet and it's distributed. <laughs> That's about all I know at this point. I don't. I don't know if you'll ever or if anyone can ever figure it out. It feels like every time I learn one new feature like there's five new things that come out and this the development is so big that like to try to tackle all of it even if you didn't need any sleep and we're just hitting it 24 hours a day it's there's just so much content yeah yeah so i do have an interesting question oh go ahead john oh if you have a question go ahead i was going to ask you a question yeah so it might require a bit of setup what i wonder is what you think of what the, what the promises that you see in this partnership between OpenDAO and Ravencoin, based on what you've seen? Like, I wonder if anybody here has seen other 
similar things where you create a liquidity pool and you facilitate these trading, essentially Raven, on these DeFi exchanges through like a stable coin or through some sort of tokenization. I wonder what you guys see is that how, how positive, how, how important is it? What do you think it's going to bring to our community? Because I'm still learning a lot um, about was, it. That was okay, so my he, question. Go ahead. Here, here's my hot take on that. It's kind of a two-front thing. So on one hand, it's going over to Ethereum to do something that's more expensive that Ravencoin is already kind of built for. So to just not have the metrics on Ravencoin it seems kind of not ideal. And then I was talking to Garrett about it. I think his name's Garrett. He's the one leading the charge on it, right? Yes, Garrett? No. I think so. So right? I've been, Tron and I talked with the people from OpenDAO, and I'm, talk, I'm working with them currently. I, if, if Garrett's talking to them, I don't know. As far as I know, they are doing all the development work right now and setting up the liquidity pool. So they're kind of leading it from their side. And we're just keeping in touch for when we need to do something. Okay. How, how it was explained to me is a person takes their Raven coin, um, puts it in this vault, and gets out like an IOU coupon at a dollar rate for the Raven to go in. And then they can redeem those at any point in time for a dollar's worth of Raven and get the dollar's worth of Raven back. And that's assuming there's no transaction fee, which there might be. I'm not sure. But that, that was pretty much how it was explained to me. Do you know if that's like spot on or is there something off on that? That's a little bit more knowledge that I was looking for that I didn't yet have. I'm still learning the DeFi ecosystem myself. And I knew that there was a liquidity pool involved, which OpenDAO is actually asking us as a community, the Ravencoin community how much of us want to contribute to that liquidity pool. That's that's interesting what you said there, which is you put in a dollar Ravencoin today, and let's say a week from today, you can put in a dollar and get a dollar for the Ravencoin. So what happens between those time periods and why you'd want that, that's something I'm still trying to learn. Yeah. Right. Is, uh, I can't think of a specific use case out of it, but essentially, <clears throat> unless there's like, certain reason which i can't think of or you know hasn't come to me or no one's told me yet it's it's your shorting ravencoin it's like if ravencoin was a dime right now and you put in 10 ravencoin and you got one dollar coupon and then ravencoin went up to a dollar you're going to turn in that raven o and you're only getting one raven back so either you screwed yourself out of nine dollars or you screwed yourself out of nine raven by going into this uh, system so I don't, I, I can't really see an upside to it. But I, I could be missing a key puzzle piece because it just, I guess the I only know. thing that I can really see, I can, I can agree with Mike on that. The only thing I can see, considering that it's going to be on the Ethereum network, is that there's a lot of DeFi going on. And if RavenO is integrated with, with, uh, with DeFi and you can earn uh, additional tokens using RavenO, you know, maybe that might work. But yeah, I'm on the same boat with, uh, with Mike. But okay. also, usually mo yeah. moving tokens on Ethereum costs more money. Ridiculously so, expensive. <laughs> like, why, yeah, exactly. why, if Ravencoin's so right. cheap to move assets, why not just... I mean, I wouldn't mind if there was, like, a centralized uh, service that was using Ravencoin 
where I could transfer my USD and they give me like a USD credit token that runs on Ravencoin, I'd be happy with that. I definitely see a utility in that, even though it's like a centralized third party. You know, if I trusted them, I'd be like, okay, you know, take this. If I can use those credits as cash for websites and stuff like that, there's definitely a benefit to it. But just having it on Ethereum for the sake of Ethereum, I don't really see that much of an advantage. I do see advantage to staking Raven, though. Like if you had a if you had a company idea, like you wanted to make a social network, and each social network costs, you know, five Raven to make a unique sub, and even at you know a dollar per Raven at five dollars per uh, five dollars per user. You can justify that, but if Raven does go up to $100, you know, $500 per user isn't worth it. So if there's some way for a developer to secure a large amount of Raven and know that it'll stay within that price range to make sense for their business model, I could definitely see staking having a benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I've been doing a lot of DeFi lately to try to understand it better, spending money on DeFi and trying to understand how. <laughs> where the practicality is. I even spoke with an, an economist uh, in the last couple of days to try to better comprehend what liquidity means because I thought I knew and he said I didn't. <laughs> it's not, su- not that surprising. <laughs> um, my impression of liquidity was that it was a thing and he's like, no, it's just a measurement tool. Um, I still don't fully get that, but I think it's because liquidity in the t- traditional market space isn't either isn't the same or is the same, I, I'm still not sure, as liquidity in crypto. I would think it's probably going to be the same. It would lend the, the idea, the name, the word to crypto is going to be the same thing as it was previously. But because crypto's interoperability is so much greater than any other physical object that we could you know, name as a transference of value, is it, it, it's just it doesn't seem to work the same way. Now, let me just see if I can explain what I think I understand about crypto, uh, not crypto, but DeFi as of as of right now. Um, mm-hmm. Between certain pairs of whatever tokens or coins, um, if there isn't a lot of interactivity, like if, if let's say we take a crap coin, you know, shit coins, proper word or not, basically a, a coin that has almost no value and isn't trading very much. Um, I use New York coin as an example because its current value is less than one Satoshi. Um, and there's a lot of them out there, but no one's really trading it. Now I own maybe 100,000 New York coin, but 100,000 New York coins was like a buck. So eh, pretty low value coin. Now, if we pair that to ETH or we pair that to something else that's more popular, ADA, um, <clears throat> Binance, whatever, and then people stake the equivalent value of New York coin and ETH or New York coin and, I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to be one ETH and whatever equivalent. It could just be a dollar's worth of New York coin or a dollar's worth of ETH. Um, and you stake that to the pool. That in, that enables, it gives the capability of more, more prices available at the price people want to trade. So the, the supposed advantage, if we do this with Ravencoin, is that more people will trade Ravencoin. But the fact of the matter is, Ravencoin is pretty highly traded already. I don't think it necessarily needs more liquidity. Um, and, and per Mike's comment before, we already know the cost of trading ETH is ridiculously high. Um, I actually got stuck in a trade trying to, to trade into a pool together just two days ago. 
and it, it took so long I canceled it. I was like, I, I tried sneaking under the wire with paying like $15 for my trade fee, <laughs> which I realized right. now was stupid. I should have paid the $50 <laughs> um, if I really wanted it to go through. Um, and I mean, I am an ETH miner, so it's not like I wasn't just paying myself effectively. But um, I, I still, I'm still at odds. I'm not, I'm not trying to take a huge, let me just take a minor little jaunt, a little left here into ETH mining and mm -hmm. ETH cost to explain why I disapprove of it and approve of it at the same time. Yeah. So ETH mining right now, ETH miners are getting a, a gargantuan amount of, of fees off of off of the current state of ETH. Um, and of course, 1559 is trying to curtail that because they say that the miners are getting too much money when really it's just a factor of how ETH works and the price of ETH has gone up so much and the way that it was designed to work just doesn't work with the cost. You know, if, if you're a whale, you can afford it. If you're not, you can't, or you probably don't want to. You don't want to pay 50 bucks to send 50 bucks. Um, so they're trying to cut 30 to 40% out of the miners' cost, or, or rather how much they make. And so you know, in, in July, if, if 1559 goes through as currently stated, miners will get about 30 to 40% less than they currently do on the fees, which will hopefully enable trade on ETH more. More people will be able to trade. It won't be costing you 50 bucks. It might cost you more like 10 to 20, even when the gas prices go high. Um, but of course, as a miner, I'm like, well, I don't want to lose my fees, but I also want ETH to work better. So if I'm going to vote, and I didn't really have a chance to vote on or I didn't spend the chance to vote on 1559, I actually was in favor of it. Even though I know as a miner, most of my mining is on ETH, I'm going to lose money. But I'm in favor of promoting ETH because I want ETH to work. But, you know, so it's like, it's good because if we did a, you know, a wrap coin for Raven, then it won't cost us an arm and a leg to trade it. But it's already pretty expensive. I and mean, imagine if ETH goes up to 3,500, even with the 30 to 40% drop, it's still going to be pricey to trade. So, okay. mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm used I... to spending... Go ahead. Sorry. I was saying I'm used to spending like five or six bucks on gas to get an NFT. I just checked an hour ago and it's like $110. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So there, there's no way I'm going to get that. Well, yeah, right now. That, yeah. that was... That was one of the discussions that I saw in the Ravencoin uh, Discord. Is that uh, there's a lot of talk about um, the as as Raven becomes more uh, valuable, creating assets is going to be more and more expensive, um, and people want to know if there's going to be a solution to that in the near future because it's almost discouraging to see that it's going to cost a thousand dollars just to create a, an asset. So do you know, uh, Kent, if there's anything in, in the pipeline to work on that? To my knowledge, there isn't. I've asked that question multiple times. And as I think about it, it seems as though you could make it a, like almost a hash rate based thing. Say the more people, well, not necessarily hash rate, but variable. And say based on the cost of making assets, we needed to go up or go down. Because the reason why it costed money is so that it, we wouldn't just have a crazy number of tokens on the network. So we have congestion because of tokens, right? Or assets. Mm -hmm. yep. So it seems like going right, we said it, it was simple enough to get off the ground with like 500, right? 500 Raven burn it. And in the future, I think the way we grow out of that is saying, well, let's make it variable and we'll pick some reasonable activity metric in the ecosystem and say, we're going to point to that activity metric. And as that rises and falls, 
will have the price to create an asset rise and fall. Oh, I don't know what that metric is yet, though. That's I think I think that's how we're going to solve the problem. That's actually kind of a neat idea. I like that that it would point to some metric within the network. It's like based on transaction. If let's say the cost, uh, let's say Mike's example, and I, I use the same. Let's say uh, Raven goes to a thousand dollars, and then it costs five hundred Raven to make a token. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> half a million dollars. I don't think I, I can afford that. Now, if I happen to still have, you know, several thousand Raven, then it wouldn't be that hard. But it wouldn't, what what would I want? Would it be practical for me to make a token on a network at half a million dollars um, instead of spending well, it on something else? Um, but if so you, you point can just look at it as you got the Raven today to save yourself half a million dollars in the future. That's right. And that's what mm -hmm. that's actually what Tryon said. He's like, well, you know, do it what you can now, because in the future, you won't be able to afford it or maybe you won't want to afford it, whatever the reasoning. Um, maybe you'll be a multi-billionaire or millionaire by that point. I, I don't know. Um, one of my favorite things about Ravencoin is it's like so true to that one marshmallow today or two marshmallow tomorrow philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah the, the psychology experiment with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to that point, there's some analog to this in the Ethereum ecosystem as they're migrating to Ethereum 2. I read most of the sharding FAQ and documentation on sharding in Ethereum 2.0 because essentially that's the that's the big thing for Ethereum 2. They're going to proof of stake. They need to know how do we shard things. We're making all these shards. I think it's like either I think it's 64 shards for the first go around. And they're saying, well, what about gas fees? How are gas fees going to change? And the goal with gas fees is to keep it relatively constant. And if there's, because if there's a lot of variability in gas fees, then it's too unpredictable, right? Yeah. You're like, I don't know if it's profitable anymore to run this contract. Well, what if that contract is business and mission critical to somebody else and it's a dependency in their business process or pipeline? The combinatorial explosion of what can happen with gas fees that are too high is not a good thing. It's not a pleasant thing to think about. <laughs> And so they, the plan with Ethereum 2.0 is even as things go cross shard, then the goal is to have the gas fees have relative parity across all the different 64 shards. And I like the idea that they say we want gas fees to maintain as the network grows and as it contracts, we want gas to maintain as a percentage of what goes on relatively the same. So it's more predictable. And to me, that's what I want assets to become for Ravencoin, the cost of assets. So we don't know. We have to go. We don't know the price off the top of our head based on some constant for what it costs to do an asset or a sub asset. We have to go check the activity on the network. So if you had a metric that was helping you figure that out, that could help you figure out what the cost would be. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's tricky to predict. I don't know if that would be hash rate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm sure, I mean, in, ask me in a month or two, maybe a few weeks, because I'm, I'm reading all of Tron's articles on this blog and on Medium, and there's the Ravencoin report that I'm getting my hands on. I'm digging deep, just getting as much knowledge as I can in my head on this stuff. So, you know, give me a month or two, and this will be a different discussion. I might be able to say, oh, this is exactly where in the Ravencoin ecosystem we should tie our asset prices to. And I would bet that 
Tron and a few other people have probably already said exactly what I just barely said, made that same argument. We're just waiting for the right timing because that'd be a big change. Yeah. That's what's up, dude. I was thinking about this as it relates to how our founding fathers tried to, tried to set up the country to prevent corruption, future corruption. They knew where they were. They knew what they didn't want it to see. And so we're kind of sitting on the same boat. We're like, we know what we are. We know what we don't want to see. How do we make sure that we put in a rule or set of rules that will prevent all hell from breaking loose or people from corrupting the system <laughs> or things like that? You can't really know what people are going to do in the future. You can only know that maybe history will repeat itself. And in order to stop history from repeating itself, make sure that you put in rules that prevent the things you didn't like happening in the past from happening again. So if we take a, a page well, to your point, Ethereum and try to prevent that. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is to your point, most of the constitution is actually language and how to remove bad actors. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah, it's it's a preventative measure <laughs> to attempt to. I mean, they they knew what it was like to live under a dictator, and they didn't want that to ever happen. Yeah. Well, yeah, they said here's there's all these procedures in there in the bylaws that are we call the Constitution about. Here's how you take a bad senator out. Here's how you take a bad. Uh, I'm using the word bad liberally here. Yeah. But here's how you take a bad uh, house uh, legislator out or a bad president. Here's the impeachment rules. <laughs> so when things go wrong, because they always do eventually, here's how to garbage collect the system. You just had to move it along, which to me, the, the Ravencoin asset price going up and down is like the system garbage collecting what's going on. Like the, the gas fees will go up as hash rate goes up or maybe down. But what happens is things just have to be responsive, right? They've got to be responsive to what's going on because the, 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 we're kind of poking fun at the fact that if we, no one would pay half a million dollars for a Ravencoin asset or, or even they, they don't they don't even want to so we're, we're kind of poking fun saying okay something in the system is out of whack and so we're like okay well how do we solve this problem and I think the thing that makes the most sense is to say tie it to some activity metric yeah yeah that would probably work um, I can't say I understand all this so you guys much more I mean you can't particularly more into the, uh, how this works or not but I was thinking that checks and balances like the, the United States just using it as an example to level out future bad actors um, or even just bad behavior. Because the one thing I've learned, and I'm really into the idea of gamification or game theory, um, you know, to, as an incentivizer, how do you get people to act the way you want them to act? Um, the example I take is from my past when I was working as a sysadmin uh, about 20 years ago. Um, I used to put up polls and I put out um, instruction manuals to all the engineers with whom I worked. And I found over time with the polling system that I could never get more than 75% of the entire group of people to respond. I just asked a simple question, so just a yes or no question. Very, very easy, not complicated. But when I asked the people, when I finally got around to asking the people, the 25% who never answered my polls, I finally got to, I went personally to them directly and in their face before COVID was a thing uh, <laughs> um, and asked them, why didn't you answer the poll? And I found of, of that 25%, about half of them were scared of polls. Like that it was <laughs> gonna it was gonna have some negative effect on their performance or their life or their, you know, working uh -huh. for the company. Like, well, I don't want to answer because what if it says something bad about me? Okay. The other half weren't were physically not in the office and so I didn't get the email. 
So, <laughs> um, but on oh, average, geez. I was just like, why, why aren't these people answering these questions? And I took the same thing I've learned from that was in order to encourage people to answer a poll, you had to incentivize them. But the one thing I learned with gamification is competition often, some people are competitive naturally and want to compete and some people are not. But most people are willing to take an incentive like a carrot or you know a chocolate bar or whatever they happen to like, um, money, right? Um, if, the, if you incentivize people not necessarily to compete directly but incentivize them to uh, kind of unify, it seems to work better than direct competition. Like I said, most of the world with capitalistic society seems to work toward wanting to compete to get more money or more things. But the, it seems to me in my observations, and I'm not to tell you I don't have hundreds of years of experience, I have 10, it seems to me that the most people are for the sake of society or for the sake of the community. They're more interested in benefiting the community than just benefiting themselves. Of course, there are outliers who are just interested and they're very self-interested. Not going to name names, but it, in general, it seems like people are more for the community. And so if we, if maybe like the founding fathers in the, in the constitution and the, in the, in the United States uh, government realized you needed to keep the bad actors out so that you could harmonize the community more and then the community itself would feed on itself and make itself better through a gamification method. I mean, obviously they use gamification, I'm using gamification, but I think that method, I know that's really abstract, but I think that method could help the Ravencoin community better itself, even where we're not here to do it anymore. Well, this is really interesting because you're driving at the central point of what a market really is, what economies are, because we're essentially trying to gamify production, right? Production of value. And the whole value in something like a digital currency like Ravencoin is that it's a lower friction vehicle for people to acknowledge value and to exchange value. I mean, we can call it gamification if that's what makes most sense for what we're doing. But it's, it's, a, it's a production pipeline. It's a value pipeline, right? Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah. Makes it very easy for someone to create their own currency and have it publicly secured. Right, and, and to I have mean, some sort of a notarization mechanism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, and a timestamp. That's like it's very underrated to be able to have that timestamp. Mm. Ken, I've been wanting to ask you for a while. Are you on the Ravencoin Foundation? I'm not. Okay. I was able to invite uh, Leeton, Leeton into the podcast. Uh, I see you're in, Leeton. Hello. Wait, is this Leighton Fusak? Your... Hello, Leighton. Yeah, hello there. Is it Leighton Fusak from uh, Pull Together? No, no. Different okay. Leighton. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Leighton. Right. All right, so you're you're also from the, the, the Ravencoin uh, Discord as well. I chatted, I chatted with you a few times there. Leighton, do you mind just uh, quickly introducing yourself and what your background is? Uh, yeah, I don't mind. Um, I am... Um... Uh, an electrical engineer uh, by trade. Um, so I have no relation to the blockchain space before Ravencoin, to be honest. Um, when I went to college and stuff, I mined a bit and I, I enjoyed that with Bitcoin. And 
I started working away from home, and when I worked away from home, that computer that I mined with and that got destroyed and moved on and stuff. So it's it was a learning experience. Um, but yeah, since then it's the uh, I've basically been very interested in Bitcoin and the ideas around it, but I never really got involved with it because life happened in between. And then when Ravencoin came around, when I heard about it, it uh, it really got me interested because of the experience I gained uh, in business and the, the way it joins to real world potential assets and business made me extremely interested in the idea of Ravencoin. So that's why I'm here. Nice, nice. Did, did I hear that correctly? Your your computer fried and you are mining off your computer. So does that mean that you lost your private keys and your Bitcoin? Yeah. <laughs> so no. it, it was really. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, 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 you're a kid in college and it, you hear about this new thing and you you try it out and you for a bit and it's it's brand new so you don't you yeah you don't know what you're doing and you forget about it and such is life. Trust me. I've, I've done that as well. I, I've literally smashed up one of my uh, my laptops because, and this was early on, this was like my first laptop and I was mining mining Bitcoin at the time, way back in the days. Uh, yeah, yeah, I learned my lesson from there too because I wish I would have had my private keys and unfortunately I don't and that's that. So, uh, Leon, um, do, you ha- do you have any assets you, you were able to create on the Ravencoin blockchain? Uh, yeah, I've got a, a few assets that I just I, when they were released, I just grabbed the ones that I I, I like that I thought had uh, a value for for different companies and that. And um, because I'm electrically biased, um, I went for hmm. uh, Salto, um, because I like the uh, Salto is basically a company that is involved in locks and digital security and electronic security uh, access for hotels stuff like that and i thought that salto would be valuable to them so that's why i grabbed that <laughs> um just because they didn't know about it so if salto are ever listening i'm quite happy to give that one away for free <laughs> because <laughs> I, it, it's worth it to me if the community can see ideas where stuff can get used and they get there first uh if they can then pass it on to the companies who actually want uh to use it in production that would that that to me is amazing um, nice. So that's like one of the ideas that um, I, w- I would love to see implemented on Ravencoin, um, which is just, it's it's what it's all about. Um, yeah. So in regards to OpenDAO, you sort of, you missed the, the discussion on OpenDAO, but I kind of want to get your feedback on what you think, if you had a chance to to look into OpenDAO, because that's the new thing that's that's going on uh, that's being worked on into uh, into Ravencoin. Do you know anything about that? And do you have any uh, opinions on it? Uh, I'll be honest and say that I haven't had a huge, um, I don't have a huge amount of knowledge about it. I do know it's um, built around collateralized assets um, and tied to stablecoin. Um, but how it does that, I'll be interested to find out and learn more. Jake? Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, it's, I, don't know, I felt like I've, I've mostly spoken my piece about uh, the connection between um, DeFi. I'm still interested in, uh, per the 
point was made, being made earlier uh, about comprehension and where we're going with what what Raven O might be. Um, I think I, I was I was trying to back. We, we kind of got off the topic, but um, DeFi, at least in its current state, uh, so it started about June with Compound. And then I think when Binance Smart Chain got into it in October, it's it's very very new, and nobody really understands it. Um, but it the liquidity the concept I was trying to get it to earlier. It seems to enable people like the point. I want to make the point that Mike had made, made about putting uh, down Raven and then of course pulling out later when the value goes up. You, yes, you do lose money. I, I will confirm that having lost money already. <laughs> um, but uh, the point of liquidity is to promote the chain, is to promote its interactivity with other chains. Um, not necessarily with ETH. I'm not super fond of ETH still, but uh, even though I mine it constantly. Uh, the reason that things like PancakeSwap is the example in Binance um, is so currently lucrative is because of the... Um, the number of people interacting with it. Now, is it going to stay up? Like, I'll give an example. I don't really want to put my actual numbers up, but uh, in PancakeSwap, I think the current uh, Pancake to Binance uh, liquidity pool is at 130% in APY, which is ridiculous. Um, I've done plenty of coverage on my own channel, um, my YouTube channel, that is, uh, about high-yield investment programs and how much they are scams, all of them. Um, I, I haven't found a high yield investment yet that's not a scam. And that's the reason whenever I see somebody offering 250 to 500 to 1,000% APY on anything, I'm like, oh, that's a Ponzi scheme. But it's not. And that's the thing that's so weird about this. I think it's because it's so new and some people are thinking, well, I could make a lot of money here. I need to put money into this right now. That's, I think, where, my, where I think people are really interested in getting Raven coin tied to ETH in a DeFi situation. It's the hype that's making everyone think this is awesome. We have to do this now. What do you think, Kent or Leighton or John? Uh, do you think that it's hype? Or I mean, maybe you guys don't know enough about it, uh, even from what I've said. I think it's, I think it's jumping the gun. I think we need to work, focus more on Ravencoin itself than trying to migrate into ETH. I don't understand this this concept of siphoning our uh, our value out of Raven and, and and dumping it into ETH. That doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. Unless you're going to be able to extract that back into Raven, that's it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make. Sense. That's the price changes. You will lose money when you when you stake two two coins together in a, in a liquidity pool token. You if the if the prices go up and down either direction. Actually, I should find the video. I'll, Link it later. I think the um, I think the chances of people coming back into Ravencoin after they've they've migrated their tokens into Raveno and into the into the Ethereum blockchain, or if if Binance ends up being integrated as well, it, it, why would you want to come back if you're already over there? I think people well, will be lazy and not bother trying to come back to to Ravencoin. Okay. Um, One thing yeah. that I'll admit is that I I may have misrepresented the whole flow and I've, I'm, I'm actually in contact right now with the open DAO creators and founders and, and they sent me a video to explain the whole thing. And I, I admitted to him, I said, I'm going to have to watch this like seven or eight times and I'm going to diagram it. I'm going to have to do some research and just to make, cause from what I understood in the initial conversation with myself, Tron and 
the individuals of the Open Dallas Foundation, it sounded like that it could only be good for Ravencoin and that there was a possibility to actually move the other direction as well and take advantage of Ravencoin's low transaction fee or asset capabilities. And so I feel like that I I might be giving them a bad rap by not by talking about them before I am I'm fully comprehending exactly how everything works, which is why I'm writing a blog post right now with everything that I have. As I do this research and figure out what it means for both sides, then my, my goal is to just talk about it really plainly and say, this is this is what it means for OpenDAO. This is what it means for the Ethereum DeFi space. This is what it means for us. Because I quite honestly can't even ta- talk intelligently about it. <laughs> and I, I, I think I jumped the gun a little bit by, by like asking for opinions already and how things are going because I, I really... I, I might just be causing blowing hot air a little bit over here, <laughs> but anyway, just to make sure that I can kind of come back around <laughs> and provide value. I am writing that blog post and I'd say expected it to land in about a week or so. And maybe I can come back on and talk about it, but I want people to, I want the whole Ravencoin community in order to decide whether they want to be participate in that liquidity pool. I want them to feel like they understand what's going on. And I was I was waiting to announce this liquidity pool to the community until I understood it. And then I thought, you know what? There's Jake. There's other people in the community. They understand DeFi more than I do. So I'm going to announce it right now and then just work on my own understanding. And then as soon as I understand it, <laughs> I'll write the article so people can feel like, oh, okay, this is really simple. I see how it could flow this way. I see how it could flow that way. Anyway, I just I totally admit my ignorance here, and I, I'm working to figure out what what actually is happening, <laughs> what's going on, how it works. We're, we're uh, all trying to figure it out. Yeah, that definitely adds an emphasis. How all this technology is really new, mm-hmm. really cutting edge. And if if they were putting a wrapped Ethereum on Raven, oh man, that would be super badass. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, at this point, I can't. I have to say, I can't see why not. But you know, <laughs> right. it's 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 a common engineering trope to say, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> Does it promote uh, Raven? Yes, it absolutely promotes Raven. Does it get more people involved in something that's really really popular, or at least beginning of its pop- level of popularity? Absolutely, it does. Where it goes from there, I'm not 100% certain. The one thing and the reason I'm sorry, Leighton, about accusing you of being someone else, I. I've literally never heard uh-huh. the, the name Leeton before, like three days ago when it was looking up Leeton Kusak uh, works with uh, Pool Together. But, and I'm not trying to overrun this, this podcast, but I want to talk about one other thing, which I'm really, really in favor of. And I know blockchain, John has already heard this probably a thousand times. To me, the idea of a prize link savings account is just utterly brilliant. <clears throat> And if you guys don't know what that is, I'll explain quickly. Does anyone here know what that is before I go on? Besides John. Please tell me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. So about 70 years ago, um, I'm not going to give the whole history of everything, but about 70 years ago, the British decided to make something called uh, as a savings bond uh, prize account. You can look it up on Wikipedia. It's a real thing um, that basically pays... Uh, the difference between the minuscule amount of interest that they could pay and the maximum amount of interest that is possible in the current market to a pool. So um, you invest in a bond, or in this case, a savings account, 
and then they they basically pool the interest that you would have earned on that and then they give that away as a prize and there is at least one non-crypto version of that out there right now called yada y-o-t-t-a um that only started when the fed in the u.s changed the rules on savings account to to basically disseminate uh, regulation d which is the thing that says you're only allowed to make six transactions per month on a savings account um that i think that was made in the 80s but the um the rule is gone now so now you can trade as much or put as much money in and out of a savings account that you like um but the whole point of this is and it said it takes a while to, to really catch on to the whole point is you can play the lottery for free and never lose now when people first hear that they go that's impossible you know when you play the lottery you lose the money unless you win big but everybody wants to win big especially in the u.s lotteries which are as high as one and a half billion dollars at times um you're going to spend you know two ten hundred whatever and you're probably not going to get that money back it's it's basically a tax on people who don't understand math uh, at least that's the traditional lottery system this lottery system you never lose it's literally <laughs> a no lose game you will never lose money you'll always keep the money that you originally play with as much money as you put into it you get as many tickets as whatever the, the company decides you you get with yada it's 25 dollars a ticket but if even if you don't win any money in the out of the pool you still get a tiny amount of interest which is at least in the u.s better than what i think the bigger banks like wells fargo and bfa pay um i think the current system pays like 0.2 percent apy which is ridiculously low i realize but especially compared to crypto but what i'm proposing and what i really really hope happens with this open dow ravencoin thing is we can make a pool uh, a uh, not a liquidity pool but a pool together type pool where people can stake their, their money and earn interest on it. But I mean, it, 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 in the interest of promoting Raven, of course, staking is a good idea. Um, and then also play with the pool. So the interest difference from the liquidity pool paid into the Raven pool, and then people can win money out of it and never lose their money. I mean, it's a win-win. I know that that's a catchphrase people use to say, oh, this is better than it could possibly be. But, you know, this, it really is better, <laughs> and there is no loss to it. There is no, there's nothing bad about it at all. And I think that it just it, it tickles your fancy, and then you're like, that's impossible. It can't happen. No, it can, and it does. And I mean, I, I feel like even when I'm saying this aloud, I feel like I'm a salesman trying to sell you snake oil. I'm not. <laughs> it sounds like real. someone's trying to work on something. Yeah, it is a real thing. It really does work, and you just have to try it. And, and, and I'm not, I don't make any money off this. It's not about me making money. I'm making money from having contributed to liquidity pools like this. But unlike uh, the like the pancake swaps of this world, things of that sort, berry swap, whatever the different swaps that are out there, where you can lose money because once you've staked in a liquidity pool and the price changes, you lose money on that original stake. Um, and of course, if the interest rate changes, if the price goes down, yes, you lose money. Can you technically lose money in a Ravencoin pool that's like this, that's a, that's a prize? system yes if the price goes down technically well, to yes, your point right. but yeah but yeah ultimately you... staking it on raven and encouraging the the or promoting the community is never bad yeah yeah well to your point that's what the open dow people are telling me this is an incentivized mm -hmm. liquidity pool yeah. and since i don't yet understand the incentivized mechanism i can't quite market it or talk about it here 
without making just a total fool out of myself. But what I can tell you is that it's an incentivized liquidity pool. So it's probably something like what you're talking about. You put your Raven in there and you earn some sort of an interest yeah. by um, having it in there. With DeFi, they will pay us a token. Like Raven O token will probably initially start at something like a thousand or twelve hundred percent interest APY, and will go down as more people contribute. Um, but like I said, when you stake ETH Raven as a liquidity pool token, if those prices change, either if they change, if they don't change together up and down, so let's let's say Raven and ETH go up at the same time at the same rate you won't lose money. If they both go down at the same rate, you won't lose money. But if either one of them changes, like Raven goes up and ETH stays the same, ETH goes up, Raven stays the same, or down, you lose money because your token becomes worth worth less. That's actually, as far as I can understand how DeFi works, and the reason only people with a lot of money tend to invest directly in liquidity pool tokens directly. If you don't want to lose money, you can just put into the actual token Raven O. You can actually just buy Raven O directly and then you probably won't lose money on that. Um, so contributing directly to the pool or contributing to the liquidity pool are two separate things and both will pay interest. One will either pay, if you buy the liquidity pairs and put those in the liquidity pool, you will be paid in Raven O. Or you can just buy Raven O and invest directly in the pool and you probably won't lose money there. That's how I've learned that cake swap literally works. Um, I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm just now in this podcast recognizing that that's what is true, <laughs> but that's what I've learned. Here's so. some, nice. Here's some, I hear you. Here's something I want to talk about: uh, the the Raven uh, blockchain. So everyone's talking about how affordable it is to to do transactions on the Raven coin blockchain, and yes, that is true for now. And I say for now because it, it is proof of work, obviously, but it's affordable now because if you look at the Block Explorer, the average transactions per block is roughly around five five transactions per block now if we start doing this integration with ethereum and yes if we start promoting it and more transactions start to occur correct me if i'm wrong but the transactions fees are going to rise is that correct can anyone answer that for me mm, maybe so this, to, this my, be a to my knowledge to my knowledge, the transaction fees are similar to Bitcoin transaction fees, which it depends on how the network is performing. So as the hash rate goes up, as the usage goes up, I think transaction fees go up. And that's just a natural part of the ecosystem. Yeah, and transaction yeah. fees go down as congestion goes down. Yeah, so the best way I've heard of explaining it is um, each block has a certain amount of space. So at the, at the moment on Raven it's two megabytes and then each but the more space you need in that blockchain the more you pay for it i think it's something like um a thousandth of a raven at the moment per byte uh, and that's how much it costs so yes it will definitely go up if the chain gets more use but it is really really competitively priced and um, what i would say as well is that you can get a lot more transactions uh, per second than Ethereum. Um, so I think the last time I looked at it, it was somewhere in the range of about 192-ish transactions per second on Raven. And Ethereum was doing something like 25. Well, that is the reason why the Ethereum is going to proof of stake and the whole Ethereum 2.0 with, with the sharding. 
they're, they're, they're supposed to dramatically increase their throughput and reduce gas at the same time. Yep. If, if the whole network decides that proof of stake is really, really the way they want to go, which I think it is. That's, that's what ha- I should, I almost said Haskell. <laughs> that's what Cardano is doing their proof of stake through and through. Yeah, I can, so I can vouch explicitly for proof of stake because Algo is, um, Algorand is that it currently used use that way. And it's so fast and there's so many transactions going on. Um, it's really practical, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that's that's two things already that I, I'm already starting to see that's not going to look good for the future of Ravencoin. One is that as the price goes up, the, the value goes up in Ravencoin, which is nice if you're just a bag holder. But if you're trying to utilize the network and create assets and NFTs, that's going to be very expensive, very expensive, especially if you're just getting into it, you know, uh, five years down the future, someone's just trying to use the network. And two, it's going to be even more expensive because now you got to pay a higher transaction fee on top of that. So I, I guess just off the top of my head, my only proposal would be to create a uh, a Raven Lightning node, a Raven, uh, Raven Lightning, you know, version. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the only you bring up some do. really good points. And to me, the general problem-solving approach that I take to all those fees that seem like they could become exorbitant is the same that I've been saying before. We find, since we can change the source code of Ravencoin, then let's, as we get the data over time and we're we're essentially cultivating this ecosystem, things are going to pop out and they're going to be, okay, that makes sense to tie this price to or to tie that price to. And so whether we know that answer right now when things become painful, then we'll be able to say, okay, this needs to change. What should we tie this price to? And I think it'll be kind of obvious at the time. And if it's not obvious, then I really like, I think it's either Voltaire or Cicero said, there's no problem that can withstand the assault of sustained reasoning. <laughs> welcome. I got yes, Tron in the house. Welcome Tron into the uh, podcast. Hello. 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 Hello there. Hey, Tron. Hi. Hi, Kent. Tron, we just, got, we just yeah. finished talking about uh, the open DAO. We just finished talking about uh, the, the block explorer and how many transactions per second. We're talking about fees, and we're talking about how the value of uh, the Raven, Raven coin is going up and how it's going to start becoming more expensive, or there's going to be a, a solution to that in the near future. Um, is there any input you want to give on on any of those things? I mean, Open DAO is the, one of those things that we're trying to understand more and more. We're, we, keep, we continue to talk about it. We're very curious. Do you have any additional information in regards to Open DAO? Um, so yeah, no. My my understanding is is uh, they're they're basically taking on the project. They're going to do a wrapped Raven. So that would be a Raven that can be bridged over to the Ethereum network. And at that point. Uh, there's a algorithmic way of creating a stablecoin, uh, similar to uh, if you're familiar with uh, MakerDAO and Dai. So it's the ability to borrow against the value of the Raven. The Raven now being uh, wrapped, meaning the you know the, the uh, Raven is locked up, or multiple Raven are locked up, and the other ones are are minted over on the Ethereum network. You can borrow against that uh, and create a stablecoin. And the way they do that is uh, algorithmically that you you know borrow at you know it's over collateralized so there's more raven value than the, than you borrow, and then if it gets too close to the amount, I mean the collateral gets too close to the amount borrowed, uh, 
then the algorithm opens it up and allows someone else to basically pay off the loan and take the Raven at a discount. But the person who's providing the Raven can basically keep it over collateralized so that doesn't happen. Uh, so that way, you know, if it ever gets risky, uh, then someone else can basically take the, the stable coin, pay it off, and uh, take the Raven at a discount, uh, which is why you know they're incentivized to do it. And so there, there's several uh, stable coins that are kind of operating under the same model. Okay, so it does it does operate similar to the way that uh, USDT or Dai or uh, USDC operates when it go, when it goes up or down far Not, too much in one direction, then it comes back because it gives another person to buy out. Yes, but I don't think USDT works that way. USDT okay. is more like we're backing this with dollars in the bank account, right? So Tether, uh, and that's operating, I think, on three different networks. But basically, Tether is dollars in the bank backing the value. Uh, DAI is different. It's algorithmically based. And um, there's a few other ones, but but USDT is different. Okay. Okay. Well, I was thinking of stable coins, but yeah, you're right. Um because USDT is literally is a tether. <laughs> yep. So. It's interesting from an auditing point of view. It's a lot easier to check and verify how much is held yeah. in either. Yeah. Yeah, you, can, so, you can find out how much collateral is behind it and, and that kind of thing. It's all it's all on chain. Um, John, question. Uh, does our slippage past an hour uh, affect your, your podcast time? No, sorry. No, we're fine. Okay, we can keep cool. going. We got a nice little house and we got Pope in. Yep, That's okay. Pope has arrived. Yep. Yep. Um, All right. Let's keep it going, Jake. Okay. Well, um, hey, yeah, it, I, thanks, Tron, for uh, giving us a little bit more insight into the Open DAO. I, I think maybe I need to do a little more research than I did because I thought I understood it because I've been dealing with DeFi for the last week, um, trying to understand it and using the Binance uh, DeFi. As my example, here's, here's my concern. ETH. Here's my concern about <laughs> here's my concern about this Tron is that my concern is that I want the Ravencoin network to be strong, healthy, and valuable. I want the value to stay in the Ravencoin oh. network. Now, my fear is that if people start migrating their their Raven over to Ethereum, that people are going to become lazy and not bother mi migrate it back, which means that the the value of Ravencoin is just going to be siphoned out of the network and pushed over to the Ethereum uh, network. Now, I would say I wouldn't say it's siphoned. Uh, the reason why is because basically those Raven are locked up, so the value is still on the Ravencoin chain. It's just locked up. Okay. So the Raven doesn't exist. I mean, doesn't doesn't uh, leave. It's just locked up, providing the value base so that it can be tokenized and, and then issued over on on a different chain that can do the algorithmic creation of of a stablecoin. So so um, Open is a clearinghouse per se, and they're I'm, they're basically custody holder of the Raven coin for the time being. I don't know if they're going to do it or if someone else is going to do it, but but they're working on that mechanism to make sure that there's somebody that can do the the, the custody minting. There's also an algorithmic way to do that. Uh, so Ren NBTC, I think, and Ren Doge uh, algorithmically do it instead of a you know a custodian. So they might do it that way. I think they were going they wanted they wanted the algorithmic one, but I think the other one's faster and easier to get to, to a wrapped raven. 
Alrighty. <clears throat> Pope, any any uh, commentary you'd like to contribute to the Open Dow Raven discussion? No, honestly, I am more just curious about it than anything. I I, I don't have any um, deep understanding of it, to be quite honest with you. Um, yeah, we're just so, gonna, yeah. We I, really have to see how it goes, uh, how Raven O takes takes over and if it, as a staking thing. Um, I do at some point. I don't need to talk to Tron about this now unless he wants to answer. But um, I, I did mention earlier the pull-together concept and how um, pooling, pooling uh, Raven, if it were at all possible. In fact, I even at, inquired with the pool of the other guys if they could use it, but since they're stuck on Ethereum, I guess now that OpenDAO will be making it possible through Ethereum that pool together will actually be, enable it. But the biggest concern I have is because of the high fees on Ethereum, if that's going to drastically affect Raven being uh, tagged to it. Is that true, Kron? Well, I, th I think I think the high fees on Raven uh, or on uh, Ethereum rather uh, really does hurt Ethereum and all the DeFi stuff. So I think right now we're just in a balance of the the DeFi stuff's pretty neat, but it's it's just maxed out, and so a lot of stuff becomes impractical. Um, you know, if you say, well, I, you know, this, you know, I can earn you know five percent, ten percent on something, uh, but you know, you, you only have a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars to do it with. And the fees basically are, you know, 10, 20, 30 bucks. It just eats all the benefits away. Um, you know, you, just, you have to do it with a million dollars and then it might be practical to get in and out. But, you know, if you're doing it with a, a few hundred dollars, it becomes impractical to, to use it. Exactly. That's exactly what I've been facing with it. The reason people were taking to Binance's smart chain instead of Ethereum um, and why there's so much enthusiasm on that on that space. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, like I said, I, you weren't here for a Tron earlier, but, um, you know, 1559 EIP 1559 on Ethereum is supposed to, it's, yes, it's hurting miners, but it, it's promoting the Ethereum network to reduce fees and make more liquidity or make it easier for people who don't have <laughs> tens of thousands or hundreds or millions of dollars to, to interop on, uh, Ethereum and other tokens. I guess, I guess I don't understand that because the reason the fees are high is because it's at capacity. I'm not sure how lowering the fees fixes capacity. That's kind of like, hey, our stadium's full. Let's, you know, and so tickets are a thousand dollars. Let's lower the ticket price because people can't get in. It's, it's like now what, right? Who, who, how do you allocate the seats uh, in the stadium if you lower the ticket price? I mean, that's what ticket prices do is kind of balance that's a great uh, demand. That's a great analogy. Thank you for making that point. I, I had not even thought of it that way. Wow, that's nice. That is, that is so, very helpful. Tron, earlier we were talking about um, custom-made wallets and how that would work in the future and getting to that point where you could have, um, you know, where anyone can just make a wallet and submit it. It's a lot easier to do with the desktop, but how do you see it going forward with mobile wallets as far so as this is, getting into the app stores? Yep, so this is what I would like to see, and there's actually a community member right now that is looking for a full-time dev that knows React Native uh, that can do this. So if anybody listening is a React Native uh, developer, wants to get into the crypto space, uh, let me know and I can hook you up with the, with the community member that basically wants to, you know, independent of the foundation, uh, hire, hire a developer 
And one of the one of the first, you know, kind of high priority tasks uh, would be to take uh, Blue Wallet, which is React Native, uh, Bitcoin only wallet, but it's thin client, so it's it doesn't have to sync the network. It basically talks to APIs. So you put in your twelve words, or it assigns you the twelve words, just like the just like the Raven wallet, SPV wallet, that has to sync. But then it instantly can find the balance, right? And then could be on uh, Android or iOS. And then one one thing that we've talked about uh, is having that be skinnable, uh, so that you know, meaning a white label. So you could basically take that wallet and give it a a different look, different name, different uh, icon. And then also set which tokens that it shows. I mean, it'll always have to show Raven. It can even minimize the Raven a little bit uh, because you know it can be a token wallet, you know, for either gift cards or tickets or something like that. And then uh, it would be fairly easy to just make a new one of those and, and get it in the app store. And then it's a, a you know wallet that's specific for typically a STO or specific gift card, or specific ticket uh, venue, or, or you know those types of things. Um, so that's kind of the direction that things are going right now. Wow. That was cool. one of, one, go ahead. Sorry. One of the, one of the things that's going to have to get built in the background is uh, some kind of script that the whoever's running that token wallet is going to have to run because they're going to have to make sure that uh, those tokens have Raven in potentially. Well, they're going to potentially have to make sure that those uh, token addresses um, hold some Raven so, for fees. Correct. Yeah. So that would be fairly straight. Uh, There's been a concept called gas station, uh, which is basically a script that's watching for specific tokens. It wouldn't do it with every token. In fact, the person that would be funding the Raven uh, would be the one that has this, you know, this gift card or STO or whatever would kind of have to fund that uh, and either a way for someone to get it, but you could also automate it if they're willing to pay uh, I mean, it's fractions of a penny, basically fund that address for anybody who has that token. And that only works if the token has a value so that, you know, you can't have it be, you know, sent around billions of them because everybody try to game it just to try to get the Raven. But if it, let's <laughs> say the token is a $20 ticket or, a, you know, a $15 gift card or something like that, uh, you know, a, a fraction of a penny worth of Raven would go to that wallet uh, just to kind of make it so that you don't have to, you know, go, you know, go to... P zero or Binance or somebody to get Raven. Yeah. So. And anybody who's doing this, right? This, the, whoever make we make this wallet, we can make the gas station script, right? So somebody just runs it on a server and it just does it, and they just have to keep it funded. All righty. Well, um, John, Mike, any anyone else? I, I think we've covered a lot. I don't want to make this go for ever, although it's great to talk with everyone here. Um, I think we could probably wrap this uh, this podcast up, and uh, if we have more questions or better insight, thanks, Tron. Um, in the future, we can definitely do another podcast. Awesome, thanks. Uh, you, if you uh, if you are a developer, uh, React Native, full stack, that type of thing, uh, and you're looking to get into this space, uh, you just email me. Tron at ravencoin.foundation, and I'll connect you with the right people. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Tron. Thanks, uh, Kent, uh, Leeton, Pope, for joining us, Mike, and Blockchain John. Um, Blockchain John, you want to do the outro? Okay. <laughs>
Well, thank, thank you, you by the way. Yes, thanks. You would hear me, uh, guys? I got yeah. disconnected there for a moment. Well, we can hear you. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, like like Jake said, thank you all for being here. Hope hopefully you guys can be here again. Let's try this next week. Yeah. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but definitely, I appreciate it. Just giving us fresh update on what's going on with with everything in Ravencoin. It's always good, especially now that we're becoming more and more active with Ravencoin. I, I am. I know Jake is. I know Mike is. Uh, definitely, we're we're fully in. We're working on things. I'm so excited to continue making more and more uh, uh, assets on on the Ravencoin network. So, with that said, thank you guys for being here. With that said, actually, last questions. Anything? Anything else before we go? That's all for me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. With that said, adios. <laughs>